God's people said. Amen. Amen. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to Psalm 131? And we have been trying to just continue to study the life of David. And tonight, uh, I have uh, been led, uh, not just today, but I started on this the other day. But I wanted to share this little psalm. I've preached on it before, but now that I've been studying and preaching through the life of David, I, I realize so many more things. I've learned so much about the life of David. So this psalm means a little bit more to me, and especially after the subject that we dealt with this morning. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter number 30, we've seen that David was at uh, Ziklag. And uh, what, a, what a crisis time, and how he responded to that crisis in his life. And it was just very simple. The points was right there in the passage. He did two things that we should learn. Number one, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And number two, he inquired of the Lord. So we preached on that this morning. And in light of that, knowing that he went through this crisis and many crises of his life, one thing that stands out to me about David, and I want to bring this out in this passage this morning, this evening. So would you look at Psalm 131? Let's begin reading with verse number one. The Bible says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Now this is David talking here. This is the great giant killer. This is the very man that God said he was a man after God's own heart. He was going to be the true king of Israel. The sweet psalmist of Israel, but yet he knew his place. Once you notice verse 2, Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. And you know what that means after going through the process of a child being weaned. There was, there was comfort there. There was uh, things being taken care of there. But when you go through that process of being weaned, uh, he, when you get through that process, this, it's like a little child. It, it, your soul is content. And David was painting a picture, even as a little child that just went through that process of being weaned. And by the way, we can't remember that, but if you're a parent, you know what that means. And of course, in Bible days, that was an even longer process than what we do with it today. But he said, my soul is quieted like a child. In other words, here's the wording. He said, I'm content. My soul's content. And then verse 3 says, let Israel hope. And the Lord from henceforth and forever. And so I want to just look at this little three uh, verse psalm tonight in light of all that we've studied up to this point in the life of David. And I hope it will be helpful. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll speak to our hearts and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I want you to notice that I've never noticed this before. After the many times I've read this little psalm, I've preached in this psalm, I've never noticed the audience of the psalm. I want you to notice uh, David's not talking to someone. He's not talking to a group of people. I want you to notice his audience. Lord, my heart is not haughty. Can you imagine that? He's speaking to the Lord. That's an amazing thing to me. He is speaking directly to God. And by the way, here's the amazing thing about this. God truly knows whether or not that David is haughty and is looking through lofty eyes or not. And by the way, he knows if you are as well. So all I want to say is I thought about that as I was just studying and reading this passage of Scripture and looking back to the life of David, he had nothing to hide. God knew everything. So when he looked at the Lord and said, Lord, my heart is not haughty, my heart is not hard, haughty, and mine eyes not lofty, let me just tell you this, God knew it already. And by the way, later on, uh, God 
gives testimony of David and said that he was honorable in all things except in his matter with Uriah. What a testimony. So I want you to notice first the audience of who he's speaking to. And by the way, he better be slow. We better be slow uh, uh, to be talking to God and make a matter before God because, by, by the way, we better make sure that it's the case if we're saying to him that we're not hot. Because, by the way, he knows it whether we are or not. I thought that was interesting. This psalm, this psalm the audience was directly David speaking to the Lord. I thought that interesting. Then I want you to notice something else. He said, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. And I've never really thought about that, but I've thought about this. Normally, what the heart desires, what the heart desires, hey, normally the eyes look for it. I want you to think about that. So he says, Lord, my heart is not haughty. He said, in other words, my heart is humbled. I've been weaned like a child. He said, I'm satisfied in you, so therefore my sight is also right. I thought that interesting. Uh, A proud look. The Bible says that God hates what? A proud look. By the way, you'll never have a proud look if you don't have a proud heart. (laughs) And so I want you to notice, uh, David very clearly, dearly deals with some hard issues here. He says, look, my eyes are not lofty. My, my, My eyes are not looking in the wrong place. He said, I want you to know, when my heart is right, and when our heart is right, and our eyes are right, the whole of man is on his way to a healthy, healthy place. So I think this very, very personal, the way David is speaking to the Lord. Then I want you to notice, later on in that first verse, he says, neither do I exercise myself in great matters, or in things too high for me. So now David, now think about it. This is David writing this psalm. Here's a man that has done some great things. He, he, he has dealt with some real high things. He, he, he's killed a, a giant. He has, he, uh, the people are singing praises to him. And, and by the way, the greatest king ever that sat on the throne of Israel. But yet he knew his place. After what we read this morning as he dealt with the heartbreak and the the fear and the crisis of his life at Ziklag. I mean, I hope I painted that picture. Those men had followed him, but now their wives are gone, their children are gone. And those men were weeping. The Bible said they could not even weep another tear. They had wept so much. But let me tell you something. Soon after grief goes away, anger gets very quickly in its place. And they got very angry with David and they were going to stone him. They were going to kill him. So I want you to know as we think about that, David, how he behaved, how he responded to that crisis. I want you to know he did not take it into his own hands. Now we know there were times in his crisis, in his things, in his events of life, there were times that he did take some things into his hands. But I want you to know the overall summary of David's life, he was a humble man. He said, I don't exercise myself in things too high or in great matters. And after what we've read this morning, I believe David learned a lot through life. And I think that's the way we ought to be. We're learning things through life. (laughs) Example, he didn't exercise himself in great matters or in things too high for him. I thought about this after this morning as I was thinking about the thought at Ziklag. Do you know he would have never been in that place if he would have concocted some kind of a scheme to have overtaken the king of Saul? Because by the way, he could have. 
He could have concocted a scheme. And by the way, he didn't really have to concoct a scheme. God really, as, as, two, as both of his warrior friends told him at both places in the cave and when he was asleep in the ditch, both of his friends told him, David, God's delivered him into your hands. See, that's what David meant when he said, I will not exercise myself in things too high for me. And he said, in other words, taken the Saul, the king's life, when God has anointed him over me, that's too big for me. That's too great of a matter. He said, no, I'll just humble myself and I'll just trust the Lord in these two situations. And he did. Could you imagine? I think about even when he went out and faced the giant. I mean, really, his brother accused him of having a haughty spirit. His brother accused him. He said, oh, he said, you're only here just to get the women to see you. You're wanting to make a name for yourself. And David says, no, is there not a cause? He revealed his heart. Wasn't because he was wanting to get in a great matter. He truly loved the Lord and he felt like his motive was right. And by the way, I believe God confirmed his motive because he went out there and he dropped the he dropped the Philistine with a slingshot. Think about that. He did not concoct a plan to overtake the king. He didn't take his life when he could have. You know why? Because David was true to what he said. He said, Lord, I'm not exercising myself in things too high for me or in great matters. He said, I'll leave those things to you, and I'll just trust you. See, it's so easy for us to take things in our own hands. It's so easy for us to try to change the uh, things that we think that we don't like that's going to happen or not going to happen. But David says, no, I, I, I'm, going to ex- I'm not going to exercise myself in things too high or in great matters. Think about this. I, I thought about this. He did not usurp the priest's position like Saul did prior to him. Remember Saul, he, he took upon the form of the priest and said, hey, the priest is nowhere around, Sam is not around, so what did he do? He did exactly what God had commanded him not to do. What did Saul do? He exercised himself in things that was too high for him in, in, in a matter that he shouldn't have been dealing with. But see, David was different. David said, Lord, and by the way, his audience was the Lord. He wasn't lying. He was being completely pure and true. He said, Lord, you know my heart's not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. He said, neither have I exercised myself in things too high for me. I want you to know, I believe as you look at David's life, and as I've studied his life and just preached his life, it amazes me. He could have changed so many outcomes. But you know what he did? He just trusted the Lord. He just trusted the Lord in each one of those. And so I want to just say he knew his place. What are some things we can learn from David? He did say that he didn't exercise himself. He said, I have quieted myself as a child. He says, I've not exercised myself in great matters or in things too high for me. But I'll tell you some things that he did exercise himself in that I think we all could learn and be held from. Number one, I thought about this. I'll tell you one thing. He might not have been too interested in exercising in things and too high, but I'm going to tell you what he was interested in. He was interested in being faithful at the smallest of responsibilities. Where did God find him? Where did Samuel find him when they anointed him king? None of the other brothers were out there. I'm wondering, well, probably the younger brothers had done gotten older, obviously. They were older. He was the youngest. That was the child, the youngest child's job. I'm sure all of them didn't like doing it. I'm sure they were all glad that David was out there. By the way, if that wasn't a lowly position, someone else would have been out there other than David. I think seniority meant something. Amen? But yet that's where it's awful funny when all them boys rolled by. Samuel said, no, that's not him. And no, that's not him. And no, that's not him. He said, do you have another? He said, yeah, he's out there watching the sheep. Like, in other words, yeah, that's the most degrading job we have around here. 
But yet David fulfilled it well. And the Bible said, hey, he might not have been uh, dealing with too many things too high for him. Or he didn't want to exercise things that was too high or in great matters. But I'll tell you what he has taught us. He taught us to be faithful to the smallest of responsibilities. By the way, that keeping that sheep is where he was anointed king. And by the way, he might have had a lowly start, but he certainly didn't have a lowly finish. By the way, his life was so powerful for years. I mean, decades later, there's even evil people still getting blessed because of their father David's sake. So yeah, I think he can teach us some things. Being faithful to the smallest responsibility. I'll tell you something else I learned as I've been studying the life of David. He can show you how to kill a bear and a lion. And he can tell you how killing that bear and lion, doing those little faithful small things that nobody else wanted to do, prepared him to defeat bigger bears and bigger lions in life later. Why do you think he had the courage to run before that giant with a sling? Because he knew God had already helped him to kill a lion and a bear. And by the way, I don't think there's any man here without a weapon would feel too safe or feel too confident in fighting a bear. But I'm thankful that he can tell us. And you know what? Here's what I learned from that. He can show us how to kill a lion and a bear. But he, he can tell us and teach us how letting trouble made him triumphant. Trouble had made him triumphant. I mean, if you would have asked David, there's no doubt about it. He wouldn't have said, well, I would have loved. I wish I wouldn't have had to face those lions. I, I wish I wouldn't have had to face those bears. But you know what? He used that trouble to help him to defeat giants later. He might not have exercised himself in things too high, but he can teach us that. Can I say he can show us how to kill a bear in a lion. He can show us how to be faithful at the smallest of responsibilities. But I want you to know, I can tell you what else I think. He can tell us how to play a harp and be a blessing to somebody. By the way, he was going to go play a harp for a man that couldn't stand him. By the way, he was going to go play and use his talents for the Lord that somebody was trying to kill him. And by the way, one time while he was playing the harp, uh, Saul tried to stick him to the wall with a javelin, but yet he just kept on playing. You say, Pastor, what can you learn from a foolish man going back and playing for a king that wants to kill him? I'm going to tell you what, you can learn and use your talents for the Lord. What in the world... What in the world? Why? Now, I, I thought about this. What in the world would playing a harp be important in the day? I, I would never dream that David would know how to play the harp. By the way, here's what's amazing to me. When Saul had that evil spirit come up on him, of all things that he asked for, he said, I need soothe. And so the men around him said, hey, we know someone that can play a harp. It just happened to be David. It just happened to be the young man that God had just anointed to be the next king. You think God had a powerful plan for David to go and play for that harp? Absolutely. So we learn from David. We learn we can use our talents for the Lord. Can I ask y'all a question this morning? Y'all got any talents this evening? I keep getting my morning and evening mixed up. Y'all know I was in trouble. Brother Don and Miss Donna walked right by my office and I said, good morning. I've said it all evening at good morning. So I might as well just keep saying it. Hey, are any of y'all using y'all's talents this morning? What y'all got? That's a good question in this day. What, what are we doing with what we have? We're using our talents to serve the Lord, but usually when you serve the Lord, you're serving other people. We can learn that from David. 
I'll tell you something else we can learn. He might not have. I believe him. I truly believe him. He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. I believe him. I don't believe he did, but I'll tell you some things he can teach us. He can tell us how to face and defeat a giant. (laughs) He can teach us how we can defeat giants in our life. You say, how, Pastor? How? Well, number one, he went to that giant with the power of God on his life. He didn't need the spear. He didn't need the the armor that they tried to give him. He said, no, I I don't prove any of this. But he said, I know what the Lord wants. He was in such in tune with the Lord. He knew that the Lord had already given him victory. He can tell us how to face giants and defeat them in our lives, no doubt about it. He can teach us how, in that very matter, how we trust the Lord. You know, we're going to come up against things we don't have the answers for. Just a ziklag. David came to a place. He said, Lord, what do I do? In other words, he said, Lord, I'm ready to listen to you now. That word inquire means he was ready to listen. See, he, he, he was pressed on all sides because, like I said, those great men that had fought with him were getting ready to fight against him. And he knew they were getting ready to stone him. They knew, he knew. The Bible said they had wept so much that they couldn't cry anymore. I, I can't help it. I, when I seen little Mariah down there, I, I, I thought about that too. And she said, I was like, man, that's exactly what the Bible said. Maybe she read that or something. But I think she was just being honest. She cried so much for her papa. She just says, Pastor, I can't cry anymore. I've cried so much. I can't cry tear. That's what those men did when they came and found their wives gone and their children gone. And the Amalekites had taken them. And David, man, he was at fault. And he learned something. See, it was his decision that got him in that mess in the first place. He, the Bible said he had said in his heart, he said, Saul's going to kill me. It's already over. I don't have any hope, so I'm just going to go over here to King Achish. Y'all know the story. But see, David learned a great lesson here. I believe he learned how to be humbled. I believe he learned in that moment and many other moments. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. But do you know what that means when you encourage yourself in the Lord? You have to trust him. When it doesn't look like there's a way, he always makes a way. That's encouraging yourself in the Lord. Because there's many times I don't see the way. It doesn't make sense. It seems hopeless. It seems helpless. But see, I'm not God. So I have to encourage myself in the Lord. And I believe David could teach us how to encourage ourselves in the Lord just by simply trusting. Can I say... I believe him. I don't believe that he dealt with, got involved in exercising sales and things too high for him or in great matters. But I'll tell you what he did get involved. He can tell you how to submit to God's authority in your life. By the way, I talked to someone, a young guy one day. He said, I want to get married because then nobody will tell me what to do. I said, buddy, when you get married, that's when it starts. Somebody say amen. And I got a double amen in the back. Triple and it happened, by the way, it happens to be a man. Ha! I'm just thankful our women let us lead out in public. Amen. But why? Why? How does he? Y'all know God gave him Saul twice. Did God really give him? Well, God allowed it. And I'm going to tell y'all, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and after the message I preached the first time that, Paul, that, 
that David let him go, a man came in my office. I'm being honest. He said, I'd have gutted him like a pig. He would have gutted Saul. I mean, here's the foe. He's coming. He's been hunting David like an animal. How many of you men would say, man, I can take care of this problem right now. He won't be chasing me anymore. I'm going to kill him. He had it. He could have. He could have stuck behind him. Then again, he had him in the ditch. And all he did was took his spear and he took his water. And then he ran across the ridge and he hollered back. Now, why did he do that? He certainly, his goal wasn't to kill him. He wanted to tell Saul he loved him. <laughs> tell him he cared about him, even though he was trying to kill him. I'm going to tell you all right now, David can teach us a lot of things. Yes, I believe him. I do not believe he exercised in things that was too high for him or in great matters, but there's a lot we can learn from David's life. How to submit to God's appointed authority in our life. You know, listen to me. That's a real problem today. The Bible says in the heart of a child, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And I want you to know something. They have to be taught authority. We have authority. We have God's authority. The land that we live in is going to either be a, a, a peaceful land based on how we Obey authority in our life. If, if we have mutiny, then listen. I, I was listening down there in Florida. You know, that, that storm came down. By the way, y'all know what happens now. When something, some catastrophe and people are at their weakest, y'all know what people do? That's when all of the thugs go in and start looting and stealing people's property. But boy, I like the old DeSantis. You know what he said? He said, if you're looting, you're going to get shooting. Why is that? The depravity of man. No authority, boy. We got the authority down. By the way, authority is a safe place for us. David could have, listen, he could have rationalized that thing. Well, God's given him to me. By his way, his, his men was telling him, God's given you. He said, no, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointing. You know what he did? He did not exercise himself in things too high. He said, I'm going to let the Lord take care of that. He responded to the authority. Can I tell you something else? And I'm almost done. <laughs> something else I've learned about David like I said he wasn't perfect he made many he committed some awful sins but you know what sets him apart he can teach us how to respond to reproof by the way reproof is a way of life when Nathan later on we've not got there yet but we're going to get there as we study the life of David you know what happened? Nathan come and told him about a man having a little ewe lamb and someone had all these flocks and this one man that had everything took the one man's little ewe lamb and boy, old David in his flesh, boy, he said, you tell me who he is, I'll make him pay fourfold. And man, Nathan stuck that finger in his face and he said, you're him. By the way, he didn't say, well, let me explain that. Let me tell you why that happened. You took that wrong. He didn't say that. Well, let me give you a reason why that happened that way. No, he didn't do that. You know what he did? He responded to his reproof. He said to the Lord, I have sinned and done only evil in your sight. He responded properly. There's much to say about that. 
you know what, I don't lose a lot of confidence in people. Now, I don't know if they keep making the same mistake. I mean, there starts to become a confidence issue. But do you know when really people start losing confidence in people? You know when I start losing confidence in people? And if you'd be honest about it, you know when you lose confidence in people. You know when that happens? Is when how you respond to a mistake. I don't lose confidence in you because you make a mistake. Because by the way, everybody's a sinner. I just sang the song. I'm just glad he saves old sinners. We're absolutely wretched and blind and we're going to fail and we're going to sin. But the thing that set David apart because he was a man after God's own heart, every time that he was caught, every time that he was down, he responded right. Immediately humbled himself and tried to fix it. He responded right. Can I say quickly, I'll tell you something else. I believe him. I I don't believe. I've read a lot about his life. I know that he didn't exercise himself in things too high for him or in great matters. But I'll tell you something he did and can teach us. He can tell us how to get right and to stay right with God. I just alluded to it a minute ago. Y'all know who wrote some of the most precious psalms, psalms in the psalms, right? I don't hear a lot of language like this anymore, but I'll tell you right now, this needs to get etched in our hearts. Someone say, well, Pastor Mark or so-and-so, how do I make things right? Well, here's a good start. Verse 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. See, to be washed, you have to know you're guilty. And cleanse me from my sin. And we have to understand that we've committed sin. We have to respond right. We say, Lord, you're the only one that can cleanse me from that. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Boy, that's true. You ever done something that's absolutely awful? It's sin and you, it's, it's before you all the time. You sleep with it. You eat it. You, you wake up to it. That's what David was doing. He said, Lord, I've, I've done this sin. By the way, he committed adultery. Then he committed, then he committed murder. That'd be kind of hard to wake up every morning and kind of just get that out of your mind. He says, no, it's ever before me, Lord. Verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Now he says, Lord, I've not only just sinned, I've done evil. This is a great plan. This is a great look. I believe him that when he said, I didn't exercise myself in things too high. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Getting right and coming clean with God's pretty important. And a good pattern for that, Psalm 51, that came straight from the heart of David. Then as I close, I'll tell you what else. I believe him. God obviously believed him because it's in his word. He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty. My, my eyes are not lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. He said, I'll tell you what I have tried to do in my life. He said, I've tried to exercise myself in praise of the Lord. Y'all know what he'll teach y'all if y'all look at his life and read some of his psalms? How about Psalm 150? Psalm 100? He'll tell you how to praise the Lord. He'll show you how to praise the Lord. By the way, he says, I'm going to praise him every second of the day. I'm going to praise him with this. I'm going to praise him while I'm doing this. I'm going to praise him. By the way, some people have the idea the only time we're supposed to praise him when we get into church. 
should be every day of our life. should be every moment of our life. Why? Because David said, look, I've not exercised myself in things too high. But he said, I can tell you right now, I've wrote some pretty good psalms on how to praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the ferment of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Think about it. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. He says, whatever you got, praise the Lord. Praise him with your life. Praise him with your lips. David said, hey, I've not exercised myself in things too high. He said, I've not usurped the king's authority. I've not concocted a scheme and tried to change God's plan. I didn't change uh, Ziklag. I endured through it. I learned how to inquire of the Lord. He said, I encourage myself in the Lord. I've learned how to do all those things. I think these are life-worthy examples. Now, where's the application? What are you exercising in? What am I exercising in? If someone was to look at your life or my life and say, well, I'll tell you right now, if I watch so-and-so's life, what would I gain from that person's life? By the way, you say, oh, people don't do that. They do it all the time. I was talking to someone the other day, and I can't remember exactly who it was, but, you know, I've told you, you go to a graveside, a graveside, you go to look at the stone. There's a lot in that dash. There's a lot in that dash. Maybe he was born 1942, and then there's just a dash, and then there's another number. It seems like that's such a small amount. But I've many times walked by those graves and say, man, I wonder what that man or that woman was known for. I wonder what kind of a life did that man lead. I wonder what kind of an impact he had on his family. I wonder what kind of an impact he had for the Lord. Was he spiritual? Was he saved? Did he know the Lord? There's a lot in that dash. And you know what? I think all of us ought to be interested in that dash of our own life. Because you're certainly not an island. So what are we exercising in? I'm afraid we've gotten really good at exercising ourselves and things too high for us. And we've definitely gotten too good in trying to exercise our things in great matter that we have no business being involved in. But I want to tell you what, there's enough simple, powerful things that we can exercise that can have a great impact in our community, our life, our family, and our world. Amen? What about the gospel? What about giving to the missions? What about... Uh, being faithful to church? What about teaching a Sunday school class? What about getting on a bus? Those are all what someone says. Oh, tell you what. There don't look like there's no reward in that. All the rewards are out of this world. Because we're going to meet them in heaven. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. And I want to ask you, what are you exercising in? The life of David. Man, I'm excited about going to the next chapter. Sadly, the next chapter, Saul's going to die. Jonathan's going to die. And then we're going to go to 2 Samuel. And we're going to 
learn more about the life of David. But even more than learning about the life of David, we're going to learn about the Savior, the God of David. Amen. How many of you are glad you're saved tonight? Amen. Let's ask God to help us. Amen. And uh, with head bowed and eyes closed, let's just do this tonight. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here tonight, and I, I don't, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't know. I've been concerned about it. I'm confused about it. By the way, if you live in this country, you hear so much stuff, and there's no doubt people are confused about it. But the Bible's very clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can help you. He will save you. But we can help you. And if that's you tonight, I'm going to ask, would you come and find us up here in the front? Talk with us. But I want to ask tonight, how many of you know you've been encouraged by the life of David is right out just talking to the Lord, just, just him and the Lord, in tune with the Lord. How many of us, you don't even have to raise your hand, but in your heart, say, Lord, please help me to have a pure, clean heart before thee and help me to exercise my life in the things that really matter. Help me to trust you. Simple, simple, simple. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, I am thankful. I've learned so much about you as we've been studying the life of David. And Lord, even this psalm has been opened up to me even more than even back through the years as I've looked at it and preached out of it. Lord, I I realize there's more to it. And so Lord, I pray you'll help us as we continue to study your scripture, that you'll continue to work in our hearts and mold us and make us. Lord, I pray you'll help us to exercise ourselves in the things that really matter. Help us to encourage ourselves in you and help us to inquire of you. And we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great day tomorrow. If you're with your family, enjoy it. How many of you hope all of you are off from work? Amen.